All you have to go out and do is get the big bop. Everyone in this room is now dumber. May God have mercy on your soul. I am going to smack you so hard. I will smack it's your face happen. off of your face. Ryan Roach. He can get on base, he can walk, he can hit, and he can steal back. That's the key. They missed that element last year in the leadoff position. Sports. Dave Pollard. is facing more outrageous scoring chances. In a weird way, the defense sucking as much as it has. He's becoming more adept at making bigger saves. He's absolutely right. And Mark Lizelle. You have a great coach of Brad Stevens. You want him to stick around. Around. You want him to have confidence in this team. Here's the key part. You start winning games that matter. Down the stretch, you have to win these games. Their playoff implications are on the line. The Sports Blast. What the hell are you doing? Only on ESPN New Hampshire. This is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't no, work. No, no, don't ruin it. No. And ESPNNHradio.com. Game on! Game on! What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Sports Blast here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. I'm Ashish Sharma with Brian Roach, David Pollard, and Mark Lazell. And boy, do we have a show for you today. Super Bowl weekend, it baby. It is here, baby. One oh, yeah. day. One day. Just like uh, 31 or so hours until the big game tomorrow. Oh, the last two weeks have taken a lifetime to go by, too. I was telling you guys, like, when we are two weeks away from the game, right? Like last week, you can't really do that much X's and O's talk. You really can't. No. No, because there's too many off-the-field stories that are coming out throughout the course of Media Week and, you know, just the two weeks leading really. up to the Super Bowl. It was very quiet. Well, I mean, you're still always reaching for some nonsense to talk about because it's two weeks away. Right. And even last week, we were still reaching, just being a week away. Now we can really sort of get into the X's and O's mm-hmm. and where each team has their advantages on the field. I think we should just dive right in. Yeah. I mean, like, as we've been saying, um, really, for the last week and the last time that we were on the air, this game has really been touted as the number one offense in the Atlanta Falcons going up against the number one scoring defense in the New England Patriots. So I think that's a good place to start. And the one place I want to start specifically is how do you slow down Julio Jones? Because the one thing that I've been very hesitant about saying this whole time is how do you stop Julio Jones? You don't stop a guy like Julio Jones. You no, you got to try and limit his production. You basically. have to limit you, his it, production. You have to limit his impact on the game. Even though the stats say not to. Well, well yeah, it, I mean, I, I see the thing is I think that's a little misleading because yeah, totally, we were talking about totally. how how when Julio Jones has less than not, fewer than ninety nine yards in a game, no, the Atlanta no, Falcons are actually fewer than a hundred. Ninety nine or less. Uh, sorry, ninety nine <laughs> or fewer. Uh, yards in a game, Get the Atlanta right, Falcons are actually better. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. The Falcons are actually better. They're 9-1. But, but I think and that's four and a little bit when... misleading. How is that misleading? Because maybe he has an 80-yard game with two touchdowns. I mean, how do you quantify, like, well, he had 150 yards with zero touchdowns, but in this game he had 70 yards and two touchdowns. So that, you he know. He only had six was... touchdowns on the year. It doesn't but, matter. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and, and I do I think, believe and I think it's misleading, It though. is a little misleading because also when you talk about a game where the Falcons are about to lose and Matt Ryan just kind of, you know, throws up prayers for Julio Jones and maybe comes down with one and maybe it's a 40 yard bomb that pads the stats so I understand what you're saying that you know yes in some games where he doesn't necessarily go off they're better but you have to also take it in context yeah well and I think the reason it's misleading is because you know that every opposing defense is going to go out there and try and take away Julio Jones 
But this Atlanta offense actually thrives much more when Matt Ryan's spreading the ball around and using every weapon that he has on the field, and well, he's he, got a lot of them. Well, yeah, he threw uh, uh, touchdowns to 13 different receivers this year. Which was an NFL record, by the way. So he'll, he'll, put, he'll throw the ball to anybody, especially in the red zone. They'll, they'll go to anyone on the field. So, yes, you want to take away their number one threat, which is Julio Jones, and you, you can't let Julio go off. Let's yeah, put it that I kinda, way. I kind of compare the Falcons offense right now in regards to like Matt Ryan spreading the ball around when um, Kelvin Benjamin got hurt for the Cam, you know, Cam Newton uh, Panthers there. Um, Cam Newton really had to spread the ball around and he actually made all of his players better around him. And, you know, with um, Julio Jones going down with injury last year, I think he had a hamstring injury mm-hmm. uh, for half the season. Well, yeah, but Matt Ryan still sucked. <laughs> no, no, but what I'm saying is I, I think getting those reps in with these guys, you know, knowing their frequencies and tendencies, I, I think that's the best thing for them. And regardless of him, you know, sucking, as long as he knows, you know, what the route they Well, I know, they but they went out with. and got Sanu. They went out and got and um, drafted Hooper. Right. And they made Tolulo. Uh, uh, and yep. And, and they have Devontae Freeman coming out of the backfield with Tevin Coleman. Right. And they, they have a lot of weapons. But my point is, I, I think that this offense isn't just Julio Jones. I, I think a lot of people are getting that too. They're, they're too straight on with that. When when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, everybody talks about Antonio Brown. Well, what about, you know, Marcus Wheat and what about Martavius Bryant? You know, they didn't play this year. But what about that well, moving forward? Well, Le'Veon fair, Bell. I, th- I think people do actually talk about that, especially us. Last year when we were talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, it went beyond Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. We but, talked about sheesh. how much depth they had besides those two guys. My whole point in this is the focus just can't be on Julio Jones because if that's the case, you are going to get your doors blown off you. I don't think that's what Belichick is going to do. Well, look, you you do have to work to shut Julio down. That is a fact. But I think you're right, Mark. It's not all about Julio when it's when it comes to shutting down this Atlanta offense. It's it's a it's just as much about shutting down those two legitimate pass catching running backs that they have in Freeman and Coleman. And if you want, if you really want to know the the key to this game for the Patriots. Uh, on it's, defense, it's to get a pass rush going against Matt Ryan. I don't even is, know. I don't even know about that. He's uncomfortable throwing on the run. What? Unless it's a built-in play where he's running the ball, he he looks he looks scared if there's someone coming at him. I I agree that if you drive Matt Ryan out of the pocket a little bit, if you can make him uncomfortable right. I, in the I, pocket, yeah, absolutely. No, no, flushing him out of the pocket because he cannot throw on the run if it's not a built right. throw on the run. If, kind, if kind he's going to have time in the pocket, he'll make his throws. I agree. If you can force him out of the pocket, make him uncomfortable, he's going to be less accurate. He's not that's, that's been proven. But right. at, at the same time, with, with regards to Julio Jones, yes, he's, a, he's an absolutely lethal weapon out there. But you have to watch out for these two running backs, okay? And the reason being, they average a whopping 8.5 yards per catch. Ridiculous. Between the two, uh, b- between uh, Freeman, between Freeman and Coleman, okay? They they pick up yards after they catch this, okay? So Coleman averages 10 yards after the catch on pass plays 10 yards or fewer from the line of scrimmage, okay? That's that's insane. When you think about it, so that so that's uh, any any pass coming They're quick and elusive. 
Uh, right, and, and it's these short passes that right. you know the Patriots have always uh, sort of boasted in their offense. Yeah, and don't you got to watch out for those short passes. But where the Patriots can take advantage of that is that they are the best tackling defense right. in the league. Well, and, and don't forget the NFC is stacked with defenses. So I mean, when they're when they're going up against these defenses, they have an explosive offense. I mean, they're utilizing every kind of weapon that they have, and they're making the best best out of it. Because you look at Devontae Freeman; they really he's they, short, but he's very physical. He's a physical yeah, specialist. Only real good defense they faced this year is Seattle. No, but I'm just saying, like, you, all right. So you compare the AFC defenses to the NFC defenses, right? Yeah. I, I think there's more quality in defenses in the NFC than there is in the AFC. That could be argument. I, well, I mean, I the one argument I would make is I'd get more specific. I'd talk about their division. The NFC South had some of the worst defenses yeah, we've seen. The uh, Saints. The Saints were the worst. The defense. Panthers had a terrible defense Panthers this year. Panthers were like. 27th, The Bucks have nothing to write home about. I mean, their defense They were middle was, of the pack. They were well. middle of the pack, but they weren't a top-tier defense. Right. So if we want to talk about the defenses and they that's face, six of their games. I'd look at their division more so than their right. conference. And they yeah. lost to Tampa Bay. But, <laughs> but my point is they, they put up points against every team. Right. Well, and, and that sort of is the crux of it, right? They put up points. Yeah. They, they can move the football down the field all they want. We know this I mean, Patriots defense. when you face the worst defenses in the it, league. It certainly does, but when it comes to this Patriots defense, if we're going to talk about an advantage that they have, again, they can tackle. They rank first in opponent's yards after the catch, all right? That's only 91.4 yards after the catch per game, and that's something that, again, Atlanta's offense ranks first right. in yards after the it's catch. It's going to be tough because the linebacker core is thin for the Patriots. Absolutely, but Dante they still they, they still linebacker. tackle well. You know, it's that right. bend-don't-break mentality, and I do think that that's going to be the mentality in this game I, is bend-don't-break. They'll let, they'll get their right. yards between the 20s. And when it comes to the red zone, and that's, this is to I Mark's that's point. The key, that's the key because if you keep them to field goals and you score touchdowns, well, absolutely, and this is to Mark's that's, point. That's, Atlanta scores, though, when they get into the red yeah. zone. Okay, 68 red zone trips. They score a touchdown on 63% of those trips. Right, they have 43 touchdowns the, within the red zone. Aren't the Patriots and just hold the on one touch. second. They, it, <laughs> they, got, it, they, they have the 15 touchdowns from outside the end zone, uh, yeah. from outside the red zone, excuse me. So they do have this big play mantra. They, right. can, they can make the big plays, but the Patriots are not going to allow that. Now, that Patriots defense does rank first in not allowing red, red zone, zone yeah. touchdowns or, or i'm sorry they actually have the seventh ranked red zone defense when it comes to allowing a touchdown to their opponents it's opponents have scored a touchdown on 50 percent of their drives in the red zone and in the last three games that number's down to 33 percent right okay so mm -hmm. it's, so that's really the key when talking about this game plan because atlanta's going to move the ball between the 20s can you hold them to a field goal when they finally force it inside the red zone where they are lethal Scoring on 63% of their red zone trips. And, Dave, here's why this is the climax of the game, I think, is because the Falcons have never seen this type of defense before where you can honestly tackle guys, okay? A lot of teams come away, you know, with losses because they didn't finish their tackles. The Patriots don't, okay? But on the flip side, the Patriots are never going to face an explosive offense like the Falcons. The Falcons are coming in with the head of steam. They have the weapons to really make havoc. Create havoc. And, and when you look at it, Brady has to step in the pocket just like Matt Ryan has to stay alive in the pocket as well. So it's going to be a battle amongst a battle. Like, this is going to be a great game. And I like the matchup because not, both of these teams really don't know what their strengths and weaknesses is, are. Um, so we're going to definitely keep an eye on that moving forward to see, you know, who's going to slip the most. And right. it might be the Falcons. But 
the Patriots are known to do that too. Well, and I do think one of the good things about this Patriots defense when it comes to facing this Atlanta offense, again, is they can stop the run, all right? Third best in stopping the run this year, the Patriots defense, just 88.6 rushing yards allowed per game. Of course, these two running backs can catch passes coming out of the backfield. They can, they can also line up wide and, uh, and make short catches. And again, they break tackles. They get yards after the catch. That's how they move the ball downfield. It's that combination of those short passes to running backs and big plays to wideouts like Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and Taylor Gabriel, who, again, you, you can't ignore the weapons that, he, that Matt Ryan has at his disposal when it comes to his wide receivers because it's not all about Julio Jones. He can put the ball up to Mohamed Sanu. He can give the ball right. to Taylor he Gabriel, and they will make big plays. He now has secondary weapons, right. unlike previous All right, seasons. so something that we sort of started talking about last week is how do you game plan for these wide receivers? And I brought it up last week that, okay, it's it's not all about Julio Jones. Obviously, you have to try to slow him down to the best of your abilities. Matchup-wise, size-wise, I don't see Malcolm Butler as a good matchup against Julio Jones. I think you need a longer guy. Granted, he's not that much bigger than Malcolm Butler, but Eric Rowe matches up size-wise a little bit better with Julio Jones. If you put Eric Rowe on Julio Jones with safety help, then maybe you can go one-on-one with Malcolm Butler on Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, Wouldn't I that make more sense? No, no. No, 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 because no. I, I see, like, size-wise, sure, it matches up. Talent-wise, it's not even close. Oh, right. no, no, absolutely. Julio Jones I mean, will eat Eric Rowe alive if you if you want to mess with that. Yeah. You, you, you can't put your third cornerback on the most talented player uh, uh, at his position probably in the entire league Agreed. on Super Bowl Sunday. And, and if I'm Malcolm Butler... I want to go up against the best. Well, if you're, if you're Ma- no, but Malcolm Give Butler typically is going to go one on one without safety help. Are you comfortable putting Malcolm on Julio Jones without safety help? No. And then giving Eric Rowe safety help with Mohamed Sanu? Look, I'm not comfortable with any of these cornerbacks going up against Julio. Because if you if you want to uh, listen to the NFL Next Gen stats here for a second. Uh, fourth best receiver at catching the ball in tight coverage, 58.8% uh, catch rate when he's had less than a yard of separation. And, and that's... That speaks to Julio Jones' ability to go up and make a catch even when he's covered. Right. So it doesn't matter who's on him. I mean, he's going to make catches. You might as well go out there and try and limit his production by putting out yeah. your best options against okay, him. You, so you don't we, go we, Eric Rowe with help so over then the in top. That case, we, so in that case, do you go with the approach of Julio's going to get his, let's shut down the other guys? I mean, we all saw sort his 73-yard touchdown catch when someone held him. Right. Yeah, uh, he breaks tackles, <laughs> guys. The guy, the guy, the guy is tough to take down, and he will make ridiculous he, acrobatic catches. In terms of the receiver position, he's the perfect combination of size and speed. Yeah, she, here's, here's how you stop Julio, though. And I agree with Brian. I, I think, you know, getting that pass rush is the most important thing. Because once Matt Ryan, you know, chokes up, he's going to throw the ball into coverage. He's going to throw picks. He's going to throw picks. If but you put my pressure other, on him and make him roll out, he will make mistakes. But my other thing is you, you got Devontae Freeman in the backfield, right? You got a great offensive line. Yeah, they have a really that good offensive line. That offensive line is really going to be the callus of this well, game, if Alex I think. Math, if Alex Mack is fully healthy, I know he's off the injury report, but still he's been he's dealing with – He's not going to be 100%. He's no. been dealing with uh, he'll a, still play. a leg injury, I yeah. believe. So. Oh, I would think he'll still play, but yeah. that's definitely a matchup to watch out for. Uh, whoever's lined up against Alex Mack there in the middle, he's not going to be 100%. So you you might see a little bit of a hole there in the middle of that offensive line for the Falcons, and maybe, just maybe, you can put some pressure on Matt Ryan coming right up the gut, which is really where you want to put pressure on him. If you're going to attack him from the edges, he might just have enough time to stay inside the pocket, and that's where he's most lethal. Again, we talked about trying to drive Matt Ryan out of the pocket because he's inaccurate once you get him out there. Right, unless it's it's a built-in... Uh, rollout play. Absolutely. Uh, sure. Yeah, if you have the built-in rollout plays, which they may just go to a couple times,
times with action. Mac injured in the middle there. Right. You know, you've you've got to do something to try and disrupt Matt Ryan's flow because if he gets it going with these wide receivers and these running backs, I don't know if there is any really stopping them, especially between the 20s. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I really do well, think it comes down to that red zone defense. Right. It also has to do with uh, the Atlanta defense. They're one of the worst in the league, and the Patriots, uh, the, they have to make sure to stop the Patriots yeah, at and, the Atlanta side. And I think that's something we'll probably talk about more on the other side, but absolutely. Uh, an under, uh, base, I think that the Patriots have been overlooked somehow on offense for this game, which is crazy to me when you're talking about having Tom Brady as your quarterback. I think that the least talked about matchup here is that Patriots offense going up against an Atlanta defense. When you look at the numbers, they're not that good. They are not that good. And I know that down down the stretch there, these past six games, they've improved. But they went against dog crap opponents, basically, those final six regular season games. Right. I got to give him credit for shutting down uh, Seattle and Green Bay, although I don't really think that highly of Seattle's offense. Right. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers had no weapons to throw to. Green Bay was really banged up on offense. So I don't know if those defensive numbers down the stretch there for Atlanta are a little bit inflated by their opponents. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I same totally, thing with I, the I Patriots. It's, it's well, I mean, yeah, you can make the same argument for the Patriots. <laughs> but At I least agree. they were consistent all I year. I agree with Dave. It's a total Not mirage. Right. It's a total mirage when you're talking about the Falcons' defense. If you look at their game against Seattle, yeah, that was, that was the one game that that they got exposed, and it was because it was the only good quarterback they faced. Exactly. <laughs> now, look, I'm not saying that Matt Ryan can't expose this Patriots defense. He's a good quarterback. He's got a ton of weapons. I think they're going to get their yards, and they're going to get their points. Right. It's going to be a matter of limiting their points to field goals once they get down into the red zone. And again... It's the best red zone offense going up against the seventh-ranked red zone defense. It's going to be interesting. And and that's going to be the matchup to watch. That's going to be the difference. And I know we have to go to break, but very quickly, I just want to pull up this key stat that the Falcons, when scoring 30 or fewer points, are 1-5 this year. This is an Atlanta team, Dave, as you were just saying. They need to pile on the points and make up for the deficiencies that they have defensively. So all five of their losses are when they don't score. They literally, basically in, in layman's terms, they have to score 30-plus if they want to win. They can't win like a 23 23- Undefeated when they score more than that. right. So really, right. the question but becomes: that's the only way they win because their defense is going to give up like twenty-eight points, right. even to inferior defenses. And you look at the Patriots' defense; they allowed thirty-plus points just once this year. The loss to Seattle, right? And again, they went up against dog crap offenses. Exactly. And that was uh, their first good quarterback, and that was when Russell Wilson was finally healthy. And that was also prior to the Jamie Collins trade. So, so I mean. So, this I mean this will be a test for them. That's There's the no real doubt. question: is can this Patriots' defense hold Atlanta to fewer than thirty points? Right. Well, I think, when we come, I think they're good. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the Patriots' offense. I know, as Dave was just saying, you know, we haven't really been talking about them that much. It's been more the Falcons' offense versus the Patriots' defense. We'll take a look at Tom Brady and his arsenal when we come back. It's the Sports Blast on ESPN New Hampshire. An ESPN Radio Extra Point with Dan Levitard and Stu Gatz. Did Art Briles, did I hear this right today? Did Art Briles, his text messages were revealed and then all of a sudden he just pulled all his lawsuits? Is that what happened? Like Art Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, I'll just cover it up, okay? So we can just move past it and get you're, to the sound. Art Briles, you should be ashamed of yourself. All right, all right. You're gonna... And you should never coach again, all ever. Right. Not at any level. Not high school, not college. Art Briles, you are done. You are finished. That is funny, though, or as much funny as you can find in this story that the text messages are revealed and Art Briles just pulls all his lawsuits. I mean, that is um, more than a confession. 
Like that is, if he were to go into church and confess it and we would have the audio of it, it wouldn't be as much of a confession as, oh yeah, you got me. Never mind. I'm not paying another cent for a lawyer. I'm running for the hills with my shotgun. With GoToMeeting, you can really connect with your team members anywhere. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for video conferencing in. Lou, have the suppliers yep. give... Okay. Uh, Marta, when do the designers... Started yesterday. Perfect. Rodney, how are Showed the... Showed them the first round earlier. We're good. That's great. Uh, oh, you know what, Tom... Don't I... worry. We'll show it to the team in Dallas before sending it to accounting. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. welcome. Uh, okay. When you connect better, everything comes together. Go to meeting. Try it free at gotomeeting.com. Napa know how. Back at New Year's, you made a resolution to save more money. Just so happens, Pennzoil's family of oils are on sale starting at $3.49 a quart. So you can check save money off your list and bask in the glory of actually seeing a resolution through to the end. With the Pennzoil family of oils starting at $3.49 a quart. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer expires 228. Radio and television have been part of your daily life for as long as you can remember, so why not make a career out of it? Visit NHAB.org, the online home of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters, to learn more about over-the-air broadcasting. Interested in pursuing a career in radio or television? Whether it be on the air or behind the scenes, many Granite State stations are looking for motivated people just like you. Visit our online job bank at NHAB.org to view current job openings and even post your resume for potential employers. You can also access a list of upcoming job fairs in New Hampshire as well as NHAB-sponsored events. Students, if you're studying over-the-air broadcasting, apply for the NHAB Student Broadcaster Scholarship and learn about available internships at local stations. It's easy to navigate, full of useful resources, and it's only a click away. NHAB.org, the online source of Granite State Broadcasting. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Patriots will meet the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 tomorrow evening. The Falcons may be without their Pro Bowl center, Alex Mack, who was a limited participant in practice all week. He and Julio Jones were removed from the injury report. Dwight Freeney did not practice on Thursday, though he's expected to be ready to go as well. For the Patriots, several players are questionable but expected to play. Martellus Bennett, Chris Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell, Nate Ebner, Dante Hightower and Allen Branch among those on the injury report. For New England, it will be an NFL franchise record ninth Super Bowl appearance. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will be going for their fifth Super Bowl rings. Kickoff from NRG Stadium in Houston tomorrow is at 6.30. You can catch the game on Fox. The Celtics topped the Lakers last night, 113-107. to Isaiah Thomas continues his hot streak after being voted the Eastern Conference's Player of the Month of January. He had a game-high 38 points in the victory. The Green will take on the Clippers tomorrow at TD Garden before the Super Bowl tip-off is at 2 o'clock. And the Bruins will look to bounce back after a loss to Washington on Wednesday night. They take on the Maple Leafs tonight. Face-off from TD Garden is at 7. This Sports Center update is brought to you by Budweiser. This Bud's for you. I'm David Pollard. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues live from the ESPN New Hampshire studio in Nashua right now. Breaking news, this just in, our Andrew Brandt is reporting that the court has decided to rule in favor of the NFL, resulting in Tom Brady being suspended for the first four games of the season.
right over the middle end zone. Touchdown! The Ruffalo on third and four. Here comes the blitz. He got rid of it to the end zone for the touchdown. Danny Amendola. Keeping it. The sack to the 10. Takes it home for the touchdown. Let's go, baby! Tom Brady's 17th NFL season begins here in Cleveland in week five. Rock and roll, man. Throws outside and walking into the end zone is Martellus Bennett for the touchdown. Tom Brady's first touchdown pass of the season. I can put the ball wherever I want to. I'll make it rain out here. Brady steps up. Brady pulls the trigger. End zone. Touchdown. He hooks up with Danny Amendola. Steps up in the pocket. Throws it downfield. Oh, separation by Kowski. He's gone. Touchdown, Patriots. Bursting through. Extending. Julian Edelman is in. On third and six. Blanco in trouble and sacked back near the 25-yard line. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Brady in a traffic touchdown. Malcolm Mitchell. Lee Flicker, blunt, throw it back. Brady down the middle, on target to Chris Hogan. Oh, I did not see that coming. Brady fires, end zone. It's caught by Pettit. Touchdown, New England. Brady hooks one. End zone, caught by White. Touchdown, Patriots. Knocked up in the air, and Butler's got it for New England. Okay, we got set. Here we go! Playoffs. It's on. Let's go! They get it over to Lewis. Look at this speed. Deion Lewis to the end zone for the touchdown. Osweiler, pressure from behind, and he's sacked for a second time in this quarter. Nom, 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 nom. One for the big one. To the end zone. It is caught by White for the touchdown. Osweiler gets intercepted. McCourty saw it coming and jumped right in front of Hopkins. Look at the time Osweiler has here. Dangerous across the middle, and it is intercepted by Ryan. Uh, usually that about thousands of better places <laughs> than Pittsburgh. It's lesser than other places. Brady, well protected. All kinds of time, and that goes in. So right up there. Touchdown, New England. Chris Hogan. Back to him, they go. The flea flicker. Brady to the end zone. What you gonna do, brother? And we're going to the Super Bowl, man. For for a number of reasons, all of you in the stadium understand how big this win was. But we have to go to Houston and win one. Great players. It's all about the players. We got great players. They work hard. They're unselfish. And they're tough. Nah, this is my motivation right here. All these fellas right here in front of me. But well, it's going to be a hell of a game. Congratulations. Thank you. Heading back to the Super Bowl again. The New England Patriots have a date with Atlanta. Dana Houston. All right, welcome back to the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. Taking you up till 2 p.m. this afternoon and getting you ready 
for Super Bowl 51, covering pretty much every angle of the game tomorrow as we are approaching kickoff, what, 31 hours away? Something like that. Something 30, to that 31 effect. hours and change. Um, and one thing that we were talking about a little bit in the last segment is the uh, the disrespect for the Patriots offense. You know, going into this game, no one's really talking about the Pats offense, and that's kind of unusual in these parts because the Patriots, over the last 10 years of the Brady era, have always been sort of a top-five offense, and going into this game, everyone's talking about are. Matt Ryan. They still are, but everyone's <laughs> talking about the Matt Ryan-led, Julio Jones-led Falcons offense going up against the Patriots. Yeah, defense. it's the sexier headline, right? The, the number one headline. offense against the number one defense. But hey, don't forget about Tom Brady and his you know group of uh, wide receivers. Including I don't think Julian they Elway, are missing you know. Gronk. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. They are matter. missing Gronk, but they've got Martel It hasn't Sonic. mattered. No, they're they're unbeaten matter. without Gronk. And it doesn't matter. Sheesh. They don't like that, um, You know, I guess, uh, popularity anyway. They don't care no, they, about that fame. They love having that chip on their shoulder anyway. The and, and you know what? They're just adding fuel to the fire because there's guys like, uh, who was it? Keyshawn Johnson talking about, oh, you know what? They're too white in their wide receiver core, and that's why they don't get any recognition. I don't know where all this random crap is coming from, but that's what we're hearing is, you know, like they're just getting disrespected. Well, look, it's not as if the Patriots offense isn't good this year. I think we know that. They rank third in points scored. They scored 27.5 points per game. They rank fourth in yards, uh, fourth in pass yards, and seventh in rush yards. So they've got a well-balanced offense there. But you really can't even say that they're almost as good as Atlanta because Atlanta was far and away the best offense this year. Now, the Patriots with the third highest scoring offense scored 441 total points this year. Atlanta had 540, so almost 100 more points than the Patriots did with the number one ranked offense. Yeah, but what happened with the Patriots in the first four games this year? Well, of course they they have Tom Brady, but they still put points up. They, they still st- they still scored an average of twenty five points per oh, game. No, 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 no. They I'm had agreeing zero. With you. I'm agreeing with you. They had zero in one of those games. Right, and that, that's a that's a little blemish there because Jacoby Brissett was was the quarterback against Buffalo. What my overall point is that if they had Tom Brady for the first first four games, oh, I don't we'd be talking so. about maybe the better offense. The first the three the first three ah. weeks they still put up the amount of points that they've been putting up all year. Right, uh, that's, yeah, that's true. That, absolutely, yeah, yeah, there's, there's the one that, blemish. There's the one blemish. Forty points in that Buffalo game. So okay, if you score. Scored some against Buffalo, you'd have 25 more points, and Atlanta would have 75 more points than yeah. you scored all year. Let's not uh, over-exaggerate how good the Patriots' offense is when it comes to relating it to Atlanta's. Atlanta's offense is better. They are one of the best offenses in the in the history of the league, honestly. They, they've had some record-breaking offenses. Uh, offensive statistics. When it comes to Matt Ryan, I think he's averaging uh, a little over nine yards per, per throw. Per throw, yeah. That's insane. That is insane when you're talking about averaging almost 10 yards per pass for Matt Ryan. Dave, if you don't mind me interrupting quick, Go ahead. I, I think that the way that this game is set up is Matt Ryan and his explosive offense, okay? But then when you talk about the Patriots, just Tom Brady working his guys. Oh, hell yeah. And, and and that's all that matters. Like That's all that the people should care about if you're a Pats fan is let Falcons get all the, the fame and the popularity because at the end of the day, you got the greatest quarterback of all time on your side of the table here. So, I right. mean, there's nothing to lose. And look, I'm not too worried about this matchup when you're talking about the Patriots offense going up against the Atlanta defense. All right, so the Falcons' defense this year overall in the regular season were 27th in points allowed. So they allowed 25.5 points per game. That's horrible. That's bad. 25th in yards allowed, so they allowed 371 yards per game, and that's because they're 28th in passing defense, 17th in rushing defense, okay? Now, when we talked about down the stretch how the Atlanta defense got a little bit stronger— 
Sure, statistically they did. Uh, before the bye week in week 11, they actually allowed 28.5 points per game through the first 10 games of their regular season. Uh, in the final six, they got that number down to 20.5. All right, so they definitely did better, but full disclosure on that, they played Arizona, Kansas City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Carolina, and New Orleans, who has a good offense, but they actually allowed 32 points to New Orleans. Yeah. All right, so that's a little bit of a mirage, those final six games. Uh, and they still allowed a ton of passing yards, uh, 385 through the first 10 games, uh, 346 in those final six. Now, when you're talking about uh, these, the, the, the defense for the Atlanta Falcons in those playoff games, they did much better against Seattle, Seattle and Green Bay. Right. So, so you've got to give them credit for shutting them down in the postseason. They, still, they only gave up 20 to Seattle and 21 to Green Bay. And, and that's because the talent's just not there with both of those teams. So those are kind of overinflated as well. But when I look at the Falcons' defense, especially this year and how Dan Quinn comes about you know, doing his job week in and week out, is they come with a pass rush. That front seven is pretty, pretty deep. Um, but when you look at you know the secondary, yeah, they can be beat. And, and that's where I think Chris Hogan and you know guys like Amendola, Edelman's going to be the shorter, shorter game, but you know yards out to catch in regards to that side. Um, but when it comes to these guys going deep post routes, you know running you know all the way down to the field so that Brady can just toss it up. That secondary better be ready because Brady's going to be coming firing at that because he knows that the strength in the Falcons' defense is that front seven. He knows he can beat that secondary. I, I, I believe you're right, Mark. I really do. And I think an X factor here when we're talking about this coaching staff, Dan Quinn might just have the formula to disrupt the Patriots' offense. Yeah. If you remember that Super Bowl against Seattle where Dan Quinn was the de- defensive coordinator – Michael Bennett was unblockable, and he was the main reason that the Patriots' offense struggled in the beginning of that game. Vic now, Beasley you've got a superstar a pass rusher here oh, yeah. in, in Vic Beasley, who had 15 and a half sacks this year. So he's the guy to watch out for against the Pats' O-line, and that could be a game-changer because, again, I think Dan Quinn knows the recipe. If you want to disrupt this Pats' offense, you've got to get to Tom Brady. I don't know if Vic Beasley necessarily is as good as Michael Bennett, but that's the idea. That's yeah. the f- so he might have the formula. I don't know if Vic Beasley is the as players. big a talent yeah. as Michael Bennett is, but he is certainly a guy who who became a superstar pretty quickly this year. And from a schematic standpoint, I think when it comes to that Falcons defense, is most certainly getting after quarterback, but also kind of containing the backs because when you look at Brady, he loves to use the short game. And whether that's backs out of the alf, uh, you know, backfield or looking at Julian Edelman and like screens or, you know, in the slot area. So when you when you look at the Falcons defense, they got to monitor those short game because they can make it into a long game. And the reason why I say that is because Falcons defense can't tackle. They as right. cannot as tackle. Right. No, this is a terrible Falcons defense. And just speaking to Tom Brady's game, he is the type of quarterback that will not try to outthink himself. He's going to look at what the defense is giving him, and he's just going to roll with it. And that's truly what's been, you know, something to marvel at with Tom Brady over the course of his career is he is constantly reinventing himself every year, where he's sort of stacked these different skills into his arsenal. Where, like last year, he was getting the ball 
out from the snap in two to three seconds. Now this year, the offensive line's a little bit better. He can drop back, go into a seven-step drop, actually go through his reads. So, you know, yeah, having to that the point, ability to do those things year after year, depending on the personnel that he's surrounded with, he can kind of change up his game now. If he feels like he's getting rushed a lot, he can go back to that offense, the type of offense that he had last year, where he's getting it out in two to three seconds to guys like Julian Edelman. Yeah, so but that, to I that think point, that, it's a huge advantage for a guy like Tom Brady. To that point, he didn't really look good against Houston. And he, he kind of like, kind of didn't choke, but he just got pressured significantly yep. from that pass rush. And that's where I think Dan Quinn can come with strength, where he can literally. You know, like I said, analyze what uh, the Patriots are good at, and that's the short game. But then if, if Brady tries to make an adjustment, I feel like Dan Quinn will be there to outsmart Brady. So Brady has to be on all levels because he doesn't have, like, the, the weapons that he used to. So he has to utilize them right. Chris Hogan, I mean, he doesn't have much playoff experience. Amendola, he can be injury prone. Uh uh, Michael Floyd, Malcolm Mitchell, on and on. These guys don't really have much experience. So when it comes to Brady, he's got to be a leader to put the ball in the right place for these guys. Well, and I was going to say, to tack on to Ashish's point before I tack on to yours, Mark, Ashish, the one thing that's been consistent throughout Brady's career is what? His favorite receiver is the open receiver. And that is why his wide receivers always pick up yards after the catch, okay? And Mark, to your point about Houston and their defense, it's the same thing I was saying about how Dan Quinn might just have the formula for success, but he might not have the players. That Houston defense is legit. Yeah. They're a good defense. They can get pressure up the middle and make quarterbacks uncomfortable. So that might be the right idea, but I don't know if they've got the personnel to be able to pull that off. But Brady had two picks in that game, right? Sure, and, and sure. But again, the, the talent timely. the talent level yeah. on Houston is higher than that on, on uh, Atlanta's defensive line. Right. So again, that's the right idea, but I don't know if you got the personnel on the Atlanta side to be able to pull that off. Now, back to the point uh, that Ashish had with regards to Brady and his consistency when it comes to hitting that open guy, hitting the open receiver and letting them pick up yards after the catch. This is going to be huge in this game for the Patriots offense because as you alluded to earlier, Mark, the Falcons defense, they have big time tackling issues. They rank dead last in that advanced metric they suck. in terms of yards after the catch allowed. Yeah. They are dead last in that category, allowing 132.9 yards after the catch per game. And this is where the Patriots offense has always thrived. Okay, they pick up yards after the catch. They do the dink and dunk better than anybody. You get it to a quick receiver like Edelman, a quick receiver like Hogan, a guy out of the backfield like a Deion Lewis or a James White. These guys are going to be able to pick up yards after the catch because Atlanta cannot tackle. They are the worst tackling team in the league statistically. And to that point, LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt will, ro will roll through that defense if they if can't they tackle. If they use him. If they use him, I think and they I, will. And if I he's do sucked the second half of the season. Well, they'll use him in goal line situations because he's found a way to get in the end zone. I mean, one thing that you can always talk about is the fact that he has 18 touchdowns, and I know a lot of those came in goal line situations. But guess what? If you find yourself at the one yard line, roll with it. You the guy gets finish. in. Yeah, you got to finish it too. You can't just say, "Hey, we're gonna get it in with LB because we're on the goal line." No, you got to finish it. And eh, they'll finish it. Look, it's it's up for debate whether or not LeGarrette Blunt is even really a factor in this game, if Agreed. you ask me. Because it could be a, a semi-X factor. No. Well, if you look at the... There's not many strengths to this Falcons defense, but one of them, they are middle-of-the-pack rushing uh, defense. Right. So they can stop the run a little bit. And a guy like LeGarrette Blunt where he's more just straight ahead, you know, he's going to get... The, he's got to get the legs moving before... 
uh, he starts his run because if he doesn't get the legs moving, he's going to be tackled right at the line or behind it. And we've all seen th- what the Patriots have done in recent weeks. They've used a lot more Deion Lewis, a lot more Absolutely. James White. Yeah, but the Patriots always come with a different game plan that you just never know it's coming. And that's where well, I, that, I, it I could be a good strategy to, to hand the ball off to Blunt and see what this defensive line is made of. Start the tempo. You start hitting them hard and see if they let them know that they're in a game early. They're going to get hit. They're, right. they're going to be in for it. And who okay. knows what happens to that defensive line. Again, there's a lack of experience on the Falcons as well that's a factor here. Agreed. And to that to that point, when you play a physical defense, how do you get them tired? Is you continue the drives, right? But you also start that running game so that – and no huddle. No huddle and the running game. Get the defense tired, make them fatigue, and then you beat them up. And that's where I think LeGarrette Blunt may come yeah. into play. And the one thing that I want to touch on, just because Ashish, you mentioned giving it to LeGarrette Blunt on the goal line. When it comes to red zone defense, Atlanta ranks dead last in that statistic as well. So they cannot tackle. They're the worst tackling team in the league. And they, they give up 73%. Of opponent red zone drives result in a touchdown. We talked about how 63% of their offensive drives to the red zone result in a touchdown. Well, on the flip side of that, their defense is worse. (laughs) Their defense gives up more touchdowns than their offense gets when when you're talking about getting down into the red zone for the Falcons. So that is where the Patriots need to take advantage of the Falcons' defense. Their tackling sucks. So you get yards after the catch if you're Tom Brady throwing it to these wide receivers. And when you get to the red zone, you've got to punch it in for the touchdown. And on the flip side, you've got to hold Atlanta to some field goals here. 603-883-9900. When we come back, we'll get into this report that the Browns are apparently interested in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. We'll talk about that next. It's the Sports Blast on ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire. Manchester's local ESPN. Did you hear? U.S. savings bonds have gone electronic. Now you can purchase them from the convenience of your own home through TreasuryDirect.gov, a safe and secure website operated by the U.S. Department of the Treasury. No more extra trips to the bank. No more paper bonds to keep track of. Instead, you can open a free Treasury Direct account and buy and manage your electronic savings bonds online anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. U.S. savings bonds are an affordable and smart choice for many Americans. For as little as $25, you can buy a U.S. savings bond for yourself or a loved one. Savings bonds are safe investments. Whether your goal is to retire comfortably, pay for a college education, or protect yourself and your family from the unexpected, it's always a good time to save for the future. Visit www.treasurydirect.gov to buy an electronic savings bond today. You may be hearing about people having trouble making mortgage payments and risking losing their homes. Many of them just aren't aware of the options that can prevent foreclosure. There are many options available to homeowners, such as repayment and forbearance plans, loan modifications, and even refinancing. Where does someone go for help? They should talk directly with their lender or a qualified HUD-approved counseling agency. Both can provide helpful information without charging a fee. According to PMI Mortgage Insurance Company, it's not a good idea to pay for services that you can get for free from a lender or a qualified nonprofit counseling agency. To learn more, visit homesafepmi.com or call HUD at 1-800-569-4287 for a counseling agency near you. That's 1-800-569-4287. This message is brought to you by PMI, supporting sustainable home ownership that strengthens communities. 
Captain Eric Lawrence was training Afghan soldiers when his truck was hit by an IED. I was on the way from Kandahar to Klot. Uh, hit an IED that just took the truck and threw it up in the air and slammed it on the ground. I knew at first that I, I got hurt pretty bad because I couldn't move my legs. I sat home alone for months. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to go back to work. I was hesitant at first, you know, because I didn't work for a good year. I want to be a productive person. I want to be a drain on society. I want to be a positive thing in society. PBA helped me write my resume, got me a job interview, I got the job. Helping veterans like Eric is what we've done for over 65 years. Paralyzed Veterans of America, paving access for veterans employment through Operation PAVE. For more information, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Patriots will meet the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 tomorrow evening. The Falcons may be without their Pro Bowl center, Alex Mack, who was a limited participant in practice all week. He and Julio Jones were removed from the injury report. Dwight Freeney did not practice Thursday, though he's expected to be ready to go as well. For the Patriots, several players are questionable but expected to play. Martellus Bennett, Chris Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell, Nate Ebner, Dante Hightower, and Alan Branch among those on the injury report. For New England, it will be an NFL franchise record-setting ninth appearance in the big game. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will be going for their fifth Super Bowl rings. Kickoff from NRG Stadium in Houston tomorrow is at 6.30. You can catch the game on Fox. The Celtics topped the Lakers last night, 113-107. Isaiah Thomas continues his hot streak after being voted the Eastern Conference's Player of the Month of, Jan of January. He had a game-high 38 points in the victory, the Green. We'll take on the Clippers tomorrow at the Garden. Tip-off is at 2 o'clock. And the Bruins will look to bounce back after a loss to Washington on Wednesday night. They take on the Maple Leafs tonight. Face-off from TD Garden is at 7. This Sports Center update is brought to you by Miller Lite. As long as you are you, it's Miller time. I'm David Pollard. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues live from the ESPN New Hampshire studio in Nashua right now. The Sports Blast, every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. All right, guys, quickly before the top of the hour break, I just want to get into the story real quick. Several outlets this week have reported that the Cleveland Browns are interested in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, mm. and the Patriots apparently will listen. Now, the rumor has it that Cleveland is willing to surrender the 12th overall pick in this year's draft mm. for Jimmy G. My question to you guys is, would you do it? Because I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, I don't think it's a no-brainer. I'd consider it. You, it's not a no-brainer for the 12th overall pick in the draft this year. No, it'd be a no-brainer for that number one overall pick They're that not they going to give up the number one pick for Jimmy Well, Garoppolo. I mean, hey, you know, it's... You're not willing to go 11 yeah, picks got, later? we got to negotiate a little You're bit. You're not willing yeah. to go 11 picks later? I don't know. I mean, uh, no, not really. Uh, not if you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the next guy What's up after again? Brady. Jimmy Garoppolo. What was that? I have no idea. That was, Rob, just that was just Rob Riggle earlier. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's Rob Riggle's song? Yeah. There's a Jimmy Garoppolo song? There's a Jimmy Garoppolo song. Wow. Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. Oh, Why'd you make me weird. play that? I have no I'm idea. I'm now scarred. It's going to infiltrate my dreams now. Yeah, Jimmy I'm, G. I'm done. Jimmy I'm, done. I'm sorry, no, but I, I think we distracted Dave. I don't no, think. Uh, no, I don't think it's a no-brainer that you do I it for the 12th overall pick. I thought he was going to Chicago. Pick. 
Well, that's a possibility too. Chicago, I heard Chicago's Chicago said they're making it one yep. offensive prior, off season priority. Yeah, they, yeah, they are making it a priority to go after Jimmy Garoppolo very hard. I, and I, I don't even know what pick uh, Chicago has. I've been more focused on the Cleveland thing because they got the number one overall pick. But here's what you got to look at is the price tag. Um, if it's the 12th pick, I mean, I would do it just because. Oh, in a heartbeat. You, you just never know, you know what other team would be interested in. The reason why you know you would definitely want to trade him now is because any quarterback, honestly, you know, I, I think the Brady Brady's a GOAT. Okay, but we've seen it numerous times. It doesn't matter who's under center if Brady's out because Belichick will make it work. And, you know, he, he's done it with Jimmy G. He's done it with Brissett. I, I, I think that, you know, moving forward, if you can, like, definitely get something from the Jimmy G trade, maybe get a quarter, another quarterback with the 12th pick. Oh, well, you're not going to swap I, a quarterback I, yeah, for a quarterback. I, yeah, I don't know if you're going to do that. You're gonna, gonna, like, why you, would you, you swap Jimmy that. Garoppolo, who's well, I'll tell almost you ready for a guy who you don't know about well, I'll coming tell you out why. of the draft? I'll tell you why, you have to pay because him. No, not only will you have to pay him, but the guy's a free agent. He's entering the final year of his deal. So there's still no guarantee. I've gone to this point several times. There's still, still no guarantee that Jimmy G re-ups with the Patriots to stay as Tom Brady's Well, back. yeah, but if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, what's smarter to just let this ride out until free agency and get paid or go to Cleveland, suck next year, then hit free agency it's and not, not get paid. Yeah, but it's not well, Garoppolo's decision. That's, that's not Garoppolo's decision. If he gets traded, that's not his decision to yeah, make. it's not his decision. Well, you're ta- you talked about free agency and whether or not he'd want to re-up with the Patriots. Yeah, but, right, but my, my point, point is, is... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Mark. My point is the Patriots have the ability to trade him. Exactly, Dave. So okay, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, you're he's right. He's entering you're right. the final year of his deal, so the decision's out of his hands. Yeah. And, I mean, look, look, he could get traded to Cleveland and then Cleveland can be like, all right, we're going to franchise you for back-to-back years and essentially have him for three years. Well, maybe. Maybe. I think they'd want to see him in uh, in, in an NFL offense for an entire season before they go ahead and just re-up the guy. But who knows? It's Cleveland. They're well, stupid. You know, so. Brock Osweiler. You know, my thing is, yeah, exa- but we don't know what he is. He could be Matt Castle. He could be Brian Hoyer. He could be Brock Osweiler. Sure. The dude, he played, well, he played not one and a half games before he got hurt. I so also really think, don't even know what he is. I also think that Brock Osweiler kind of uh, became a turd in the – Young quarterback punch uh, punch bowl there, <laughs> you know with essentially that sounds tasty. Essentially, what be, uh, the the eight <laughs> games the eight games that he played earned him eighteen million dollars, and now I think because of Brock Osweiler, you're gonna see right. teams in this league a little bit more reluctant to sign quarterbacks with the lack of NFL experience. Nope. Well, I mean, the Browns are desperate, Dave. I mean, I don't he, he, poisoned the, he poisoned the well on that. He absolutely he did. did. I don't think he did. How didn't he? Because the uh, the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. If you can find a guy that plays well consistently for even Yeah, but he's not going to get Osweiler money. Well, maybe not Osweiler money in free agency, Seven, but at least the yield. If you're talking dollars. about a trade, maybe right. the yield comes back in the same way that Sam Bradford uh, got a first and a fourth for uh, the Eagles. Well, yeah, so but maybe Sam that's Bradford a little bit more actually accurate. played well for a season before. Well is, uh, he's never played term. well. Rel- I mean, like, look, if you're if you're worried he about sucks. Bill Belichick getting the number 12 pick and trading down for, like, three fourth-round picks, I understand that because that could be a little frustrating. It's like, really? I mean, well, and not to mention that story broke, and I know it's really early to even start talking about it, but that story broke this week that Belichick kind of has an endgame for the Patriots. You know, he, he, he and Robert Kraft know when he's going to be gone. Now, it's interesting because he said they don't talk about it, but they know when it's going to happen. Right. I don't think like a lot, of, a lot of people have discussed it this week, and it's sort of like they're trying to find the date at which it's going to it's occur. Not next season. I don't, think, that, I don't think it's a date. I don't think that it's a date. I think that... It's a number I of think that Tom, well, I think that Tom Brady, when he's done, Belichick will stay for one year, try and win with a new quarterback, and then be done. 
I hate doing this, but I'm going to, again, put a cap on that conversation because I have five questions this week, and that is actually one of my questions. Okay, well, so I mean, with, back to that with regards to the Patriots organization <laughs> and, and keeping that next guy, don't you think that Belichick would rather have a guy like Garoppolo who's been coached up and who's, well, yeah, I mean, but who's been know, within the organization? Gonna be, yeah, Dave, he's going to be a free agent. There's going to be a risk. You don't right. have him long-term and unless he's gonna you decide want, to franchise tag him. They never right. pay guys either. That's going to want a lot of money. And the thing is, like I said, we don't know if he's Matt Castle or the next coming of Tom Brady. We simply don't know well, that. Well, he's not the next coming of Tom Brady. Matt we know Castle. that. He could be Matt Castle for <laughs> all we know. He could be Matt Brian Castle Hoyer. Hold on a minute. Yeah, 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 do we really, that's what I'm saying. Do we that's really what I'm saying. even... Can, that's what I'm saying. He could be either side of the spectrum. He could <laughs> be Tom even Brady really be Matt no, Castle. No, 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 no. No, no. Yeah, do, we, do we really <laughs> even believe that he could potentially be the next Tom Brady? I mean, uh, Tom no. Brady's a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-an-entire-history-of-the-league type of player. I think Garoppolo could be like a Tony Romo kind of I, player. I, no, I think, you know what, athletic. I mean, again, I don't know what I'm basing I'm this on. I'm thinking Brian I'm, Hoyer. I'm thinking Brian Hoyer or Matt Castle. Matt, like maybe one Pro Bowl and then he disappears. Yeah, okay, well, Flacco, well and again, they disappear after they leave the Patriots. I don't know if it's the wisest move for Jimmy Garoppolo to just leave because he can get paid. I think he'll be a better quarterback for it and and probably get and make more money in the long run if he stays with the team who knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, but it's, it's on the Patriots and... It's on the Patriots in all cylinders because they can either trade him, okay, or they want to sign him when he's a free agent. And I don't think that they would sign him. And the reason why is because teams like the Bears, teams like the Browns, they're going they, they to even franchise the, the Jets. They'd have to franchise they would have tag to him if they, they want to keep him. And would but you if, want to franchise tag a backup quarterback? If he's the next guy, if the coaching staff believes in him, if Belichick Josh believes McDaniels. in him, then yes. I, I don't see it. I honestly don't. And I, I honestly, I think there's more uh, fire than there is smoke in this. I think this is absolutely going to happen. Because I think it will. You look at the pipeline connecting the Patriots and the Browns. Jamie Collins, Barkevious Mingo, Deion Lewis is a former Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, And I think it's because of the longstanding relationship between Bill Belichick and Mike Lombardi. Mm -hmm. Both have connections to the Browns. And that's why I think that this absolutely is something that could happen, that Jimmy Garoppolo will end up going to the Cleveland Browns this offseason for the number 12 pick. Right, but if I'm the front office of the Patriots, I'm writing this out because I think the Cleveland Browns will be desperate or the Bears. But 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 the thing is, with every, if the more you wait, the less you get in return for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know about that. His, his stats aren't going to change. Yeah, but the, the utility that he gets, the quicker that he's in the Brown system after the draft, the draft already happens. What are you going to get after that? Yeah, but a future first-round pick? Who knows if they – maybe they don't suck as much next year and they don't end up – maybe they, you know, get something lower than the 12th pick. Who knows, man? But, but here's the need. It's, it's the Patriots either getting rid of their backup quarterback – or it's the Chicago Bears or the Cleveland Browns needing a starting quarterback. So you look at it, those teams are going to get desperate by the draft where they're going to say, I need a guy to come in and play the center role of my team organization moving forward. All right, wrapping up hour number one here on the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Anthony Munoz, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. I was fortunate to have played left tackle for 13 years with the same team, twice in Super Bowls and 11 consecutive years in the Pro Bowl. I said fortunate, not lucky, because I maintain a good work ethic and plan for my good health. Working out regularly, I didn't take unnecessary risks. I also wore pads, helmet, and other protective equipment to keep me safe. I'm honored to help the Good Samaritan program and its desire to get soldiers, Marines, and civilians to help reduce mishaps. 
Team effort is another concept I use throughout my career. Teammates helping teammates will work. The lessons I've learned in my football career can be applied to traffic and off-duty safety. The right equipment like seat belts, helmets, and motorcycles, and high-risk activities and goggles or glasses will help reduce mishaps. Don't depend on luck to keep you alive. It's better to plan for your future and for your safety. It simply takes a momentary loss of attention to land you on the bench, sidelines, or worse. Life can hit you with the unexpected. The loss of a job, a sudden illness, a dramatic jump in your mortgage payment, leaving you feeling helpless, forcing you to make difficult decisions. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage,